G'day, fellas. Hey. G'day, boys. How are you? Good, good. How are you, Rue? We've got you by phone today. Yeah, I've just had to go down south, mate, for some family commitments. So apologies for not um, catching up with you boys there at the studio. I uh, look forward to catch those days where we catch up and have a chat. But, yeah, I'm just sitting in a car park, the best reception that I can in, uh, in this southwest country town. Well, we admire your commitment, mate. You're doing... Uh you're doing well down there, mate. Family first, oh, always. Yeah. So uh, good on you for yeah. Going but down you know, and, I couldn't, uh, I, yeah, I couldn't miss out on today's topic of uh, nuclear energy, which ties in with our sort of climate change um, discussion that's been going on for a couple of episodes now. We've been a bit environmental the last few weeks, haven't we? It's yeah, something that we're all yeah. pretty, uh, you know, maybe we've got slightly alternative views in some ways, but we're all environmentalists at heart, and we're all keen to see and live in a nice, uh, clean environment. So this was kind of a natural progression for us, I guess, wasn't it? Sort of it, it was, talking about, yeah. uh, I guess, power generation. And, uh, well, you know, we live in a modern society where we're all very um, all very addicted to electricity. So, yeah, how do we make it as cleanly and as uh, environmentally sustainably as possible? Well, kind of well your, point, your point there, Smitty, of natural progression is a, a good little tie-in, isn't it? Because I wonder whether nuclear is a natural progression for us. As a society, yeah, well, that's I guess going to be the thrust of what we're talking about today is um, the nuclear power debate. It seems to have popped up a bit in Australia uh, again recently. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, but before before um, anyone listening uh, tunes out because nuclear is you know a bit boring, maybe you know, I've, I've, having a look into it, I found it quite interesting. So did can I, I just yeah. start with a can I just start with a couple of nuclear jokes? <laughs> I just thought, you know, just to maybe spice it up a little bit, get people interested. A couple of old man uh, jokes? Might just, what's that? A couple of old man jokes? Yeah, okay, here's one. Look, <laughs> uh, what did the nuclear power plant worker say to his co-worker who had a fishing rod and a line in the reactor? How's the fishing, John? Oh, wow. Hey, hey, what about this one? What do you do? What about this one? Oh, he's got to what, be do you call, what do you call a nuclear-powered mobile phone? Shemobile. Oh. Hey? Wow. And this one, this one's probably one not, not for the kiddies. What does a nuclear power plant and a prostitute have in common? <laughs> I wouldn't enter either without protection. Uh, <laughs> Always say okay. the best to laugh. Uh, okay. Okay. The last one was the best okay. one, for sure. <laughs> well. Well. Uh, anyway, I guess, I guess uh, Chernobyl is probably a good place to start, isn't it? Because... A lot of people are very concerned about that aspect of nuclear energy. Yeah, is, and then you got your Fukushima more recently. Yeah, really, yeah. really ruined it for nuclear, didn't it? Yeah, Three Mile Island in the late eighties, mm. was it? Seventies, eighties, seventies. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's probably one of the the cons that people. If you look at a, a list of pros and cons of everything, I mean, nuclear energy. We're trying to sort of. We're trying to look at alternative solutions, aren't we? And, mm. and yeah. nuclear is definitely a solution to our energy problems, but based around sort of you know sustainability, reliability, um, you know, energy security, those kind of things, waste, uh, f- land footprint. If you're thinking about solar, yeah, and that's a big one, land what, footprint. Yeah, so I think one of the cons was. You know, is it safe? Is it reliable? Are we, you know, is it going to malfunction and are we going to end up with with a Chernobyl or one of those things? And I think if you look at the last sort of 20-odd years, there's 18 
1,500 reactors around the world in 36 countries. Mm. France produces 70% of their energy from nuclear energy and Russia about 19. Yep. And the US is the largest producer of nuclear energy. Yeah. They've got quite an aging nuclear um, power generation grid, don't they? Like a lot of it was built in the 60s and 70s. And I think the argument in the US now is that a lot of it is coming up towards requiring sort of like major capital expense to keep them running and to yep. keep them safe. But I guess one of the things about the nuclear sort of fleet in the US and around the world is um, it was sort of older technology, wasn't it? Like I think we've come a long way since the 60s and 70s in our uh, you know ability to sort of make safe nuclear generation. Like yep. you guys are the same sort of rough vintage as me and we all grew up um, you know, growing up in the 80s and remember Chernobyl, which I think was like 1986. I remember seeing the TV screens and all the bald kids on there and then all the poor old kids dying of cancer and leukemia and all that sort of stuff. And it was bloody, it was a bit traumatising. I think, like you said, that really put people off that nuclear mm. um, sort of way of uh, going. Yeah. Like before that, it was... And know, the Simpsons, probably. The <laughs> Simpsons you know? probably ruined it, yeah. yeah. The old nuclear reactor with the green, you know, goop, waste... 100%, yeah. yeah. Blinky, Mr. The Mr. Three. Burns uh, pushing barrels of nuclear waste yeah. into trees in the local yeah. park and stuff. But and the three-eyed fish and that kind of thing. You know, that um, that really probably gave nuclear a bad name. Yeah. You, know, you were a bit concerned about it. But, the, I mean, the funny- Jonesy, it's a good point. Jonesy, it's a good point you make that there are so many um, power plants or reactors around the world, and, and there's about three major incidences that we can um, reflect on over the last 40 years, you know, it's um, like, like Smitty said that the US, um, you know, they've got 92 commercial reactors and 20% of their uh, electricity is supplied by nuclear. But and that's since the 1990s. So we're talking 30 odd years and there hasn't been an incident, incident in those 92 reactors in the States. And that's what I reckon these uh, nuclear powered, um, Denialist or you know, people against nuclear power hang their hat on is this, these these three major c- catastrophic events. I'm not diminishing how important or how um, you know uh, bad they were for, for humans and environment, but it just seems that there's those three incidences that every every resource you go to that argue against nuclear power always use that as their crutch. Is you know those incidences, particularly Chernobyl, had such devastating effects on the environment and humans, which is true. But it doesn't mean you have to write off a whole source of energy because of it. So Germany have just closed their last three nuclear power plants. Mm, I saw that. Do you know what did they what did they do or what did they build to produce their energy? Coal-based. They're firing up their old coal power yeah. plants that they'd shut down, yeah. haven't they? Germany's yeah. a real funny one. Yeah. So yeah. you can you can look at oh, look at the environmental impact of nuclear energy. You know the uranium, the plutonium, the waste. Um, but then you've got to produce energy somehow. Yeah. And yeah, it's been some coal. We, yeah. <laughs> you know. So we talked about it in our net zero and our you know carbon episodes of you know we want to reduce emissions. And what have they done? They've they've Fired up their new or their coal power their plants, old coal power old plants, coal yeah. power plants again, where nuclear energy is carbon-free electricity. Yeah, literally carbon-free. I, I, don't, yeah. I reckon they, I reckon they did that, mate, because they went so heavily towards 
uh, the the renewables like um, wind and solar. They just pump so much investment into that, and now they're realising that it's so unreliable and intermittent, and it's up their uh, energy prices so much that they've had to just resort back to coal. I, I don't know why that excuses them closing down nuclear power. Uh, that's a question, but they've obviously gone back to coal for an immediate source of, you know, reducing power costs. I, I guess. Well, yeah, because they just shut down their nuclear plants. Like that would have produced. They had nineteen. Shut them all down. Yeah, that's such a funny one because they obviously had that issue with the supply of Russian energy coming and the Nord Stream pipeline, you know, mysteriously exploding under the sea. Which, yeah. you know, apparently that's a thing. Um, so you would have thought, if anything, they would have relied like more heavily on their nuclear plants. Yeah. Surely they're not all just running out of, uh, you know, going out of commission this year due to like natural causes. It seems like they're obviously closing them down. But for a country that's so obsessed with green, like Germany have really embraced the like renewables and trying to get towards, um, you know, zero carbon emissions and all that sort of stuff. And it, it seems really strange that they've gone, yep, we're going to close down these running nuclear plants and we're going to fire up coal power plants. It seems bizarre. Mm. So if you look at prevented mortality too, so this is from the Environmental Science and Technology Journal in 2013, the prevented mortality in greenhouse gases from uh, historical and projected nuclear power by 2000 and whenever it was, 29, uh, they reckon 1.8 million lives will be saved through reduction in respiratory, cardiovascular, cancer and heart issues based on the emissions from coal. Mm. So less emissions, prevented mortality, health benefits, so no excess mortality found in countries with nuclear facilities based on, um, you know, the area around them because everyone's concerned that nuclear are coming up. But, um, yeah, by this... This study found that, you know, there wasn't too many instances of health issues around nuclear reactors and around coal-producing ones, there's lots. Yeah, I mean, you can see the pollution coming out of a coal-fired power plant. You can see it. Yeah. I mean, when you look at a nuclear plant, they've got those giant uh, cooling stacks, but that's steam. Yeah. It's not polluted steam. It's it's water vapour. It's steam. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a funny one, like... I, don't know. I wonder whether um, I saw some stat that uh, in the USA, um, you know, reactors generally operate ninety-two percent of the time, and why it's not one hundred percent of the time is because uh, reactors need to be closed down for a while to be refueled. Mm. So I wonder whether that might be um, a factor in the German ones. That, that it's um, coincidentally three reactors have have been closed down to be refueled to be reused again. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how long it takes to refuel a reactor, but that could be a possibility as to why. I think they shut them down for good. I think they've just They're mothballed done. them, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So so I sort of did a bit of a dive into the whole nuclear debate, and one of the main things that people seem to debate nuclear on is its cost. Yeah, its upfront cost is it, high. It's upfront cost and the lead time to build yeah. a nuclear power plant. And I understand that. Like these days it seems to cost many, many, many billions of dollars and many years to build a power plant. Mm-hmm. But if you had them and they were operating, what, we, aka we, yeah. like Germany, yeah. like they usually say, like you look at uh, France. So they went into nuclear real heavy in the sixties and seventies, and like CJ said, I've, I've heard figures anywhere between seventy and eighty percent of their electricity is um, coming from nuclear, and they've never had a single accident. Their power is 
Um, they don't have interruptions to their power supply. They haven't suffered uh, blackouts or anything with this uh, sort of Russian, um, you know, war and limit of like fuel and gas. Um, and their energy prices are extremely cheap because they've got mm. the they've got the reactors working and in place. So they've obviously got a system where, like Rue said, they've got to shut them down every now and then for routine maintenance or refueling. But what they do is they just put out a bit of extra um, capacity from their other plants. And, you know, the whole grid works, but it's very baffling why you would shut down a running one. Yeah, yeah. Or three yeah, running ones. And, re- and revert to coal. And revert yeah. to coal, yeah. 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 I think it looks it looks good. Oh, we They probably don't mention that they fired up the coal again, but, you know, we've shut down our nuclear plants. Look, we're doing everything we can to get solar and wind back up and running. Yeah. You know, well, we, we need coal, but we don't really want to mention that because it wasn't, uh, it's not really environmentally friendly, but if you look at the reliability of them, they are—they seem to be fairly reliable. You know, you're not waiting on the sun or wind or the weather. You know, it's no. 24 hours. It's yeah. uh, it's it's zero carbon energy. Yeah, um, it's the most reliable um, source of energy, isn't it? Yeah. Really, it's it's the most reliable. It's just, yeah. I mean, I guess it's reliance upon uranium mining stores in the world. Um, you know, yeah. and it's interesting, we talk about Australia <laughs> yeah. uh, and that this, the discussion that Australia's yeah. got 33% of the world's uranium deposits and yet we don't have any uranium or um, uh, nuclear power it's, uh, it's, at all in this country. It's a really funny one, isn't it? Because we're happy to mine and export and support it through exportation, but we're reluctant to build nuclear power in our mm. own country. Like other it's countries crazy. can do it. That's cool. We'll give you the fuel to do it. Here's the uranium. But hey, you want to nah, make some nukes? No worries. Yeah, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was that's another one of the downsides or one of the talked about downsides is people can, you know, build nuclear weapons. Man, you look at the amount of nuclear weapons that just the US and Russia have, like thousands of warheads, like enough warheads to destroy the entire earth, you know, many, many, many times over. Like, yeah. we've and got a lot of nukes. Inter- yeah. It's not yeah, like I we've got none. In- <laughs> yeah, there's international regulations, I think, and as much as these regulations can, you know, how much they stand for, but there are regulations that when a country is um, given authority to use nuclear power um, as an energy source, it, it has some sort of contract that it's not going to use it for um, for weapon uh uh, experimentation or weapon creation, yeah. uh, and that regularly um, monitored as well. So you might have heard, you know, previously, and and whoever is the uh, the governing authority over this is probably, you know, could be uh, conflict conflicted or uh, um, compromised. But they do go and inspect other countries' nuclear power generators and 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 make sure that weapons aren't being created and it's not being used for that. Who, who does the inspecting? How, much, how credible that is, I don't know. NATO goes in. Hans Blix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, no doubt it'll be those governing countries like America who have a full arsenal of nuclear weapons going yeah. out and telling others that they can't have them. Yeah. But, you know, South Korea have got them, I guess. Uh, Russia. Uh, who knows? Anyway, I mean, look, so- Australia is an incredibly politically stable hmm. country. We're not like a rogue state or anything like that. I'm yeah. pretty sure they would just look at our uh, record keeping around our stockpiles and be like, all right, you know, you've used this much in a reactor, this much is waste. Can you account for it? Where is it? It's over here. Okay, no worries. You know, yeah. did yeah. you sell any suitcases of uranium to North Korea? <laughs> no. Okay. Done. Move on. We're all right. Exactly. Know. I'm sure there'd be, um, you know, boundaries put in place or, or, you know, regulations that 
that uh, just make it specific for nuclear energy production. Um, but it's interesting with Australia, you know, you, you can research all this nuclear energy production and, and reactors and so on around the world and get all this information. But with Australia, it's just nothing. And the only stuff I could find really of any source, any credibility was from the Climate Council. And you can check out their website, climatecouncil.org.au, and they claim to be um, an independent evidence-based organisation on climate science impacts and solutions. And they're funded by independent donors and, and the key word, philanthropists. So mm. I try to dig deep into who, which philanthropists do, do, not, do, do donate to the Climate Council and I couldn't find any information. It just it was giving me the runaround. I even tried a few different alternative um, search engines, but I still couldn't find anything. But it's interesting that the Climate Council, their quote on their website is, insert a quote, in fact, nuclear, nuclear power in Australia makes no sense and wasting time and energy debating it is a distraction from genuine, genuine climate action. And I just thought that that comment itself is just so narrow-minded to, to even eliminate the debate about it, and it's so ignorant to its possibilities. I, I found it amazing. And then they even quote that, like you said, someone said before earlier, Smitty, I might have been you, um, that nuclear plants are too expensive and they take a long time to build. Um, and they quote there, the CSIRO says, by far the lowest cost way of producing electricity is with solar and wind. You know, I, just, I just find it crazy that they're not even entertaining the thought of alternatives to this. And to me, that that seems to be an engineered or a, um, a, a very, very biased from some point of view uh, stance. Yeah. Don't you reckon that solar... And, and wind have this sort of um, perception amongst the public that, oh, they're so clean and green and, you know, there's zero problems with it. And when you look into it, there's quite a few problems. Um, like producing them uh, is a big drama. They've got a lot of different um, like components in them. A lot of them are made in China. There's been evidence that the Chinese are using like Uyghur Muslims in like almost concentration camp style situations to build these solar panels. They have a limited lifespan you're expending a hell of a lot of carbon up front to make these panels. And then once they finish the end of their life, you can't really recycle them. They're going into landfill and then they need to be replaced uh, on top of the fact that they need like a massive footprint somewhere on the ground. And particularly in places like Europe, that's obviously a drama for you know real estate to put them. And then on top of all of that, you're weather dependent. You need sun or you need wind to actually power these things. Exactly, Smitty. So, and I think we cover a lot of that in our climate change episode. And I think we, we, we chatted about in that episode at 17 more times uh, the minerals required to build solar panels um, and wind uh, farms than it is a nuclear power station. 17 times more minerals and, 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 um, and products needed. Like, like there's no question that solar in terms of um, what producing the panels – all the transport costs, et cetera, make a hell of a lot more carbon if you're worried about carbon than nuclear power does. I haven't heard anyone successfully debate the fact that, you know, maybe once it's all made and you take out the manufacturing and take out the transport and all that sort of stuff, yeah, maybe you go, okay, solar doesn't generate, but that that's sort of like a false way of thinking about it. I think, yeah, it's such a, I don't know, it's such a flawed debate, isn't it? There's a lot of people with interest in it and there's a lot of... Uh, you know, lobby groups and philanthropists and people making money off it. It's so hard to see, like, what the real picture is. Yeah, totally agree, mate. It's, um, 
it's a tricky one. Yeah, I, f- I find the – I mean, don't get me wrong. I think solar probably has its place somewhere. Uh, I just don't think – well, I think the naivety of the world about what we're going to do and how we're going to get these minerals and if we want to build – we want to. We want to go to net zero, like we talked about in our climate change episodes. Was you know we're going to have to find six times the amount of um, you know copper and nickel and <laughs> there is. There, I know what you're saying, mate. And during my research, there is a, a, a lot of a lot of hope there with this organisation um, called ITER. I T E R. I don't know if you guys come across it, but their, their website is iter.org. And it's really interesting. So if I, if I may, can I just go back to a um, four dummies uh, explanation on nuclear power? Because I didn't really understand the concept of it. I'm, I'm no Albert Einstein, Albert Einstein. I can't even say his name. But I just wanted to find out what, how it all works. So if you imagine you've got an atom, like a, like a cell, and in that atom is protons and neutrons, right? That's your nucleus of an, of an atom. Mm-hmm. And around that, you've got all these like, little floating electrons. When a nuclear, uh, nuclear power is generated by uh, fission, fission uh, which is the most popular um, uh, generation of, of, of nuclear power, and that's the separation or the splitting of that nucleus into two smaller atoms. And that, that splitting of it creates uh, energy. Mm-hmm. The other, other option you've got uh, for nuclear energy is fusion, and that's combining two smaller nuclei or, or atoms into one. Now, the first one, fission, is the most popular because it, it can be controlled in a, in, a, in a more controlled environment and it's less expensive. And so that's what most nuclear power plants use today, and, and it's based on um, uh, splitting, or, yeah, splitting uh, uranium atoms. Um, so that's where the uranium mining comes into it. But both create energy during the process, um, much like you know the combustion of coal and oil and gas, um, but without the, the, the byproducts of the natural fuels. So there's this, there's this company, um, ITER, and they're looking at, at fusion reactors, which are very, mm-hmm. very rare because they are less easily controlled. Um, the, the reaction is less easily controlled and it's expensive to create, but there is technology now developing to create this fusion and, and fusion um, energy production, which is pretty much what powers the sun, is based on tritium and de- deuterium atoms. So not um, uranium, which would then solve uh, uranium mining as, a, as, a, as an environmental issue, if, if that's a factor. But then obviously you've got to obtain these uh, mineral atoms as well, and, and that w- that's one of the problems posed by uh, ITER. Um, but extreme pressure and temperature unites these atoms, and they reckon uh, releases massive amounts of energy, about seven times more energy than produced by fission. Mm. So seven times more energy, which I found amazing. Anyway, so this company, right, um, ITER, well, it's not really a company. It's a, it's a, a research project. Uh, located in southern France, and it's got about um, 35 participating countries, but the main signatories are China, EU, um, which fund about 45% of it, uh, India, Japan, Korea, Russia, and the USA. And the goal is to advance fusion science and prepare the way for fusion power plants. 
And what they've done, and there's this word I've never seen before, tokamak. Have you guys heard of that? It's spelled T-O-K-A-M-A-K. No. It was originally invented by the Soviets in the 50s. And, and basically what this tokamak um, machine does, it's an experimental machine, uh, which harnesses uh, within a, a plasma the heat and energy converted by the, um, the fusion reaction. Uh, so they've designed this tokamak uh, to then go forward and, and assess the feasibility of, of fusion at, as at a large-scale combustion-free source of energy. Um, but, you know, there are obviously um, hurdles to it. Like I said, the, uh, the, the pr- production of tritium, um, which is, uh, you know, how much world supply do they have of that? Um, but it was an interesting thing. So th- there, are, there are things going on in the background that countries are involved in to, to, to bring nuclear energy into into the world, based not based on that the fission concept, but more more based on fusion. Mm. That's an interesting one. I haven't really heard of that. I mean, one. there's no yeah. fusion power plants currently running. It's always been more of a concept, hasn't it? I remember hearing about like the concept of cold fusion back like 20 years ago, and they were talking about doing it on like a microscopic scale in laboratories and stuff like that. But like. Yeah, like if they harness the technology, it would be amazing. But it's a it's a question yeah. of whether they've got the political will and and also the scientific know how to to do it and to do it safely and be able to harness it. It's, and the um, time frame, really. And the time frame, because, yeah. You know, if you want to get that, and you want to make it safe. Yeah, we know we've got I mean, this, this other technology this, here. Yeah, this ITER group was launched in 1985, so you'd think that you know they, they, they must be getting close to and if you have a look at their website it's, it's really interesting stuff on there i think they're making advances that lead in the right direction and like like any technology i guess it starts off really expensive and, and difficult but then over time becomes more more economical and more available mm. it's an interesting one i mean yeah i don't know how much work's going into it. i don't know if there's much political will for people to be exploring it with the amounts of money they need, would need to get into the science and the lot like materials manufacturing to get it all done, but hopefully, yeah, you know, hopefully they would. Probably, I mean, need, a, probably need a really generous philanthropist like Mister Gates <laughs> instead of making masks for cows to maybe invest in uh, nuclear fusion technology. Yeah, but then if we got it and it was really good and it was really cheap, I don't know would that be a problem? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I did read something that the Gates Foundation looks into nuclear energy. Yeah, right. I, I didn't. Um, I didn't write or take too much interest in it, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, anyway, I, thought, I found that interesting. So I guess there are there are things being done in the background. Yeah, I'm just looking online here. I think Bill Gates is maybe talking about fusion here, the sort of generation you were you were talking about. But I mean. I'd rather, I'd rather Bill Gates involved in nuclear fusion and, and that sort of uh, investigation as opposed to health and vaccines. Fake meat. Well, the thing is, we've got Fake these meat. really ambitious um, environmental targets around carbon sort of penciled in for like 2030, 2050, etc. We've kind of got to get a move on, don't we? Like, It seems like yeah. at the moment with the, you know, not war in Europe, but the war in Russia affecting Europe, it seems like we're going backwards. These super green countries like Germany, they're paying like massive prices for their power. They've got very limited power. They're going back to coal. And then you look at countries like France, they're kind of just cruising along. They're doing well. They've got very cheap, very reliable power. Um, 
and then you've got like the US having this debate saying, well, nuclear is too expensive. It's like, well, wh- where does the truth lie? Like, mm. I'm sure we, I mean, it seems like politically we're talking about it in Australia at the moment and it may be one of the uh, topics that gets discussed around the next election, depending on like which party gets in. But <sighs> the economics of it and the environmental impacts, you know, you kind of have to look at the cost of making one has been discussed at sort of 20 seven billion dollars yep. you know around about which is that's about high, what i came up with too yep a higher capital outlay but then the the low direct fuel costs at the end of that and we have it in australia like we've got so much of it we've got it in wa like mm. like we mine uranium yeah you know it's it, we're not yeah. short on it and the cost factor is including in that is decommissioning it building it and waste storage so yes. they have all those things built in. It's an upfront cost, yes. It's a, it's quite large. It sounds like a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, it is a lot of money, but, you know, if if we don't think about it or the, the discussion isn't there, and because they take sort of, I've read anywhere between sort of 8, 10 to 25 years to build and commission. Yeah, I've sort of heard on average around the 15-year sort of mark. Yeah. Yep. If that's something that we need to be thinking about now, uh, we – we probably need to get going, you know. Uh, the environmental effects or the impacts of fossil fuels, you know, there's no sulfur dioxides, heavy yep. metals, yep. nitrogen dioxide, exactly. mercury, yep. other heavy toxic pollutants into the atmosphere that fossil fuels do. There are none. The, 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 we talked about the footprint of building one is small, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to these large solar energy farms and wind farms that take up a lot of space and the destruction of, you know, animal species and bird species and things with the wind, you know, I guess the concerns around nuclear energy are the uranium mining, you know, radioactive active effluent emissions and, and sort of waste heat, those kind of things. Yeah. You know, and I guess, yeah, I, I, I can't remember where I looked at it, but, Nuclear, the nuclear industry, including the building of weapons, contributes to less than 1% of background radiation globally. Hmm. Well, I mean, there's a lot of natural radiation occurring in different levels around the world, just depending yep. on natural quantities of like naturally radioactive um, minerals and things like that. So, yeah. And it prevents about 2 million metric tons of CO2 a year as compared to if we had to use fossil fuels. Yeah. yeah, and not to mention, like you said, all, all the other shit that goes up in the air with that CO2, even if you're mm. worried or not worried about CO2, all the other actual pollutants yeah. are quite significant. Yeah, I mean, and let's not forget, Australia, let's not get too much on our high horse. We've just committed to these nuclear submarines. We're going to spend like a third of a trillion dollars building these nuclear subs. Mm. I mean, there's not that much difference. A, a nuclear sub has a nuclear reactor in it. So let's not get on our high horse and say, oh, as a country, we've excluded nuclear. We're not going to do it. You know, maybe we could have that argument three years ago and we had no nuclear subs on the timeline and we were going to go with the French uh, bloody electric subs or whatever. But we're building nuclear submarines for, I'm looking at an article here, $368 billion. It's interesting we want to I mean, to build you, were, you were just saying, what, what do you reckon the cost of one is? Like sort oh, of like 27 25, let, let's yeah. say 30 yeah. billion. So it looks like here we could probably build, you know, about 12 nuclear plants for the cost that we're getting our nuclear subs for. Mm. I imagine if we built 12 uh, strategically placed nuclear plants around the country, we could pretty much power a very large percentage of our population with that. And then those plants would probably have a 40, 50, 
I've even heard 80 year sort of lifespan bandied around with new technology. Yeah. For a product that we can you mine know, in our own country, uranium, and then all you have to do is get rid of the waste. I mean, we're going to have to get rid of waste on our subs anyway. Well, they're talking about. It's a great, it's a great point, Smitty. It's, it's a great point, Smitty, but it's not aesthetically pleasing, is it? So for a politician, it's fine to, to pump all that, all that money into defence. You know, that, that sort of warms people's hearts and that they're protected and whatever. But to build up all these power stations for the same amount of money, you can have all this uproar and protest and all that. So for a politician, they want to stay well clear of that, don't they? Well, apparently, yeah. It's um, it's a funny one, isn't it? It's a funny yeah. one. Like, like I'm not against having some solar. I think solar is a good idea, but I don't yeah. think it's the sort of technology where you throw your hat in and go, fuck it, we're going to go 100% solar because- All the chips in the table for solar. Let's put all our chips on the table for in. solar. We don't yeah. have the battery storage technology. So renewables like wind and solar are always going to require backup energy. For 10 hours of the day, you can't use solar energy. Yeah, in exactly. Australia. Exactly. I get we've, yeah. got, we've got a lot of sun. That's great, but got tons of sun. We've got tons of space. So solar yeah. makes some sense for us. Yeah, but it's not like the only solution, and no. it's not a, a it's not a zero carbon solution either. No, I love my yeah. solar. I can run yeah. during the day. Uh, you know, an air conditioner and yeah. you know the makes pool sense, right? pump. You know, those kind of things. It makes sense. Washing makes machines sense. and whatnot. But yeah, yeah on I saw a, a large stat scale. That the, I saw a stat that. Um, uh, Nuclear power is two and a half or three and a half times more reliable than wind um, and solar. So wind was about 36% reliable and solar was 25% reliable compared to 92% reliable uh, for nuclear energy. And that that were figures um, obtained in the States in 2022. Um, So, you know, the figures figures are, are there to see in black and white. I mean, if you look at the places around the world where they've gone big into solar, you look at like California, you look at Germany, like they've had issues with power outages and stuff like that mm. because they've yeah. gone into it heavy and, you know, like what we've discussed, they've been closing down other alternative sources of electricity generation. And unfortunately, like when the grid goes down now or there's issues with power, particularly the elderly, um, people die. Mm. You know, yeah. like if you live in a cold region like Germany and all of a sudden you've got no heating, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, you know. So, I wonder whether the cost of building those reactors um, could be uh, overcome by in our climate change episode we discussed how they, they're sort of talking about creating modular uh, reactors so that every re- reactor is the same. Mm. And now having a look at this um, fusion reactor that uh, on the ICA website, I'm just wondering whether that fusion reactor that um, that tokamak concept could work in some, if they create that, that could work in a, a modular type reactor, which can then be the same around the world. And, you know, that's the, a cost basis thing that, you know, they're all the same. They all cost the same uh, and probably cheaper to cheaper to make, cheaper to sell uh, when they're all the same. Yeah. I guess, do you reckon countries are a bit funny about it? Because obviously if you have a nuclear reactor and, you know, it's like the script of a movie, terrorists get in there and, fuck with it and cause it to melt down. Do you reckon each country is very cagey about how they build it for security purposes so they're not wanting, you know, to yeah, share the love and I, share all their plans? I, I don't know. Maybe yeah, that's a maybe possibly. that's a barrier towards everyone constantly reinventing the wheel to, to make these plants. Because like you say, you would think that it would just be – I'm sure with a cold fire plant, I'm sure every time they're not redeveloping and redesigning it and I'm sure there's a, very much a set of bl- a br- blueprints – that they use to, to build a plant. A buy off the shelf. Yeah, you know, more yeah, or less. Or yeah, we, we, plant, need yeah. A, we need a, you know, 100 gigawatt plant, whatever, boom. 
is what you need. I'm sure all reactors are very similar. You don't want to reinvent the wheel every time. We're not splitting the atom here. Oh, well, we are, but. Yeah, very yeah. good. I guess when the fossil fuel price is low, people's appetite for nuclear energy is low. But at the moment, our fossil fuel stores and uh, are high. Oil is high. You know those kind of things. At, le- at least that then opens the door for the talk about sort of they talk about a nuclear re- renaissance at the moment, mm. and and people are now discussing it, which is which is a good thing. Look, yeah. the the. The technology, you would think, had would have come a long way. I think one of the reasons of Chernobyl, uh, I'm, I haven't really looked into it too much, but one of the reasons was the technology wasn't there to communicate that something was going wrong. I think they went outside of some parameters as well. And they were doing mm. some tests and they sort of got rid of a few of the safety safeguards to try and test something. From what I've heard... Yeah, definitely, definitely human error involved in that. that well, from um, what I've heard, even Fukushima was human error, so... Yeah. Oh, I, th- because that oh, wasn't that. It was based. obviously uh, hit by a weather. Weather. It was a tsunami. Earthquake slash yeah. tsunami. But I think on top of that, the actions that followed were oh, not okay, right. correct within the protocols, which caused it to. Right. But I mean, I've heard the analogy, and it kind of makes sense to me without being an expert in nuclear physics. That if you look at, like, a lot of these plants were built in the '60s, which probably means they were designed in the '50s, right? Yeah. You look at what we're doing with jetliners in the '50s. Yeah. Versus today, you know, we've had an exponential increase in the amount of people. Or phone technology. Air travel or phone technology you know? or any yeah. sort of technology. We've really come a long way. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, everything we do now, we have more knowledge, we have better understanding, we can do it better, we can build better aircraft, we can build safer cars, we can build safer everything. I'm sure to a certain extent that also goes across to the safety systems you put in place, the computerized systems that won't allow a reactor to go outside of some parameters. If something starts to run away, it automatically gets shut down. You know, we've got bloody shielding. We've got all these things. I'm sure we can build, in this day and age, a relatively safe um, nuclear reactor. And particularly in Australia, we don't have earthquakes, really, to any big extent. Mm. So you look at, um, you know, obviously Fukushima was a, it was a tsunami caused by an undersea earthquake that sort yeah. of affected it, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe don't build them right on the coast. Yeah. Maybe don't build a reactor where there's a fault line or whatever. Like, we don't really have those problems in Australia. We don't have geographical uh, constraints. We don't have much space. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's an optimal distance to build a reactor from a city so that you can transmit power into the grid. But it doesn't necessarily need to be right on the coast, nor would you do it that way because that's usually like quite premium land. You might build it, you know, 30 k's inland or something in an area that's not very dense, densely yeah. populated. And then off you go. I mean... I think it, it would be great if it was talked about and there wasn't this, like Rooster was talking about before, just a complete shutdown of, no, no, it's no good. Don't worry mm. about it. Don't even look into it. It's no good. Would well, you guys want to go down a quick little conspiracy oh, yeah. rabbit hole? Let's just just a little it. quick one. Yeah. Um, so, Rue, you were talking about, um, what was that group you were mentioning? Yeah. Just before that climate, was talking about the summer. fusion, the climate. So you look at like in America, they've got the um, – have you guys heard of the NRDC? No. NRDC, I think it stands for Natural Resources Defence Council. And so it sounds real good, right? Like Natural Resources Defence yeah. Council and you know, defending, all about yeah. defending the earth and the natural resources and all that sort of stuff. Well, I believe they're quite anti-nuclear uh, and pro-renewables, right? So they, they love their solar, they love their wind. Yeah. 
uh, and they've had quite a big impact into some of the states in America sort of closing down uh, or decommissioning uh, power plants and uptaking all this solar. Well, I heard a guy talking today, and I obviously haven't really had time to confirm or deny it, but apparently one of their large uh, backers is um, that nice philanthropic company called BlackRock, who you guys might have heard of. Yeah, yeah. So there's always entanglement with big business is what I'm saying. Like people always have an angle to try and make money because that's our nature. Yeah. So, you know, if you're a philanthropist but you're also a businessman, you know, maybe you're looking at renewables and you're going, oh, these things kind of have a shorter lifespan than just be replaced all the time and there's quite a long, uh, you know, supply chain thing. Maybe you don't want to build a nuclear plant that just runs for 40, 60, 80 years relatively problem-free once it's built because maybe there's not a lot of money in it. Mm. You know, mate. I, hear, I reckon you've hit the nail on the head there, Smitty. Like, I'm always suspicious it. when you can't really have the debate. Anything we can't debate, I'm suspicious of it. Yeah, let's fucking debate everything, and bad ideas will naturally peter out because they'll get hammered in debates, and you'll listen to a debate and go, "Fuck, this is indefensible." Yeah, we can't have you know, that. That's just no good. Let's have a debate that we should get children smoking. Like, you'll get fucking hammered immediately. Yeah, and everyone go, "You're a fucking idiot." <laughs> you know, I'm getting a bit razzed up here, but yeah. it's like. Let's debate everything in a scientific manner without being idiots about it. Yeah. And like the best ideas will come to the surface. Yeah. As soon as we say, oh, we shouldn't debate it, you should just go renewables. I'm not against renewables, but I'm against like all renewables because I think it's a stupid idea. Yeah. Like if you want to have all renewables, you need to have a backup power source. And usually that is, um, you know, gas or um, coal or whatever it might be. And then if you want to have the debate that, well, we're all terrified of carbon, well, then that starts to fall down real quick, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, fuck it. Let's have 95% nuclear or whatever. A little bit of wind, a little bit of solar if you want. Yeah. Um, and maybe in a few decades' time, we will have like developed all the technology and maybe some of those renewables will get a hell of a lot better and we'll go, hey, man, we've got really good battery technology now. We've found more minerals to use or we've found a better way of doing it and it's less likely to bloody burst into flames and... You know, it's more um, affordable and then we go, hey, cool. But I think for right now, to me, in my uh, uneducated point of view, nuclear seems like an option we should be at least looking at. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Yep. I reckon it's your answer, man. It's one of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's definitely pros and cons, isn't there? You know, with everything, we've got to, you've got to come up with, you know, not risks, but you know, better benefits and are they outweighing other things? You know, it's it's carbon-free electricity. There's a small land footprint, high power output, reliable energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, we got to mine uranium. There's sort of which we do, which we do, which we do anyway. <laughs> you know, the, there's high upfront costs. People are concerned about malfunctions, but mm-hmm. that if you look at the three instances that have occurred, you know, over the period of time, eighteen hundred, eighteen thousand reactors, thirty-six countries. It seems it seems fairly reliable, and seems like maybe we should be debating this and and, and having a good discussion on, yeah, mm. can can we have this as and solar and and some wind and see where we go from there. But I heard I heard this interesting uh, argument that I've heard actually over several years. It's popped up sort of in my stuff I listen to every now and then, and it's actually the. You guys are obviously very much across like the principle of hormesis and like a little bit yeah. of something yeah. you know bad causes like a little bit of a physiological stress which causes you to adapt and ends up being a good thing. It's what we're all about, the modern ancestral modern man. Ancestral you know? man. I mean, there's nothing less Cold ancestral than and... nuclear power, right? Like splitting atoms, but yeah. yeah, we're talking about that. But you know, that's the modern part of modern ancestral. But yeah, 
I've heard this argument that there is uh, some studies around the world that have shown people who live in slightly higher background radiation areas actually have better health. Oh. And there's been some speculation that possibly there is some level where it does become like a mild background hormetic stressor, which actually can be beneficial. Right. Um, you know, I don't know if that's true or not. Who knows? But uh, in what way, Smitty? Beneficial in so exposure to uh, radiation? Just, just, in, just in terms of uh, uh, lifespan and longevity and general markers of health. Yeah, right. I would have mm. thought the absolute opposite. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's you know. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah. sort of like the old five G concept. Yep. That'd <laughs> yeah, be fine. It'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. Interesting, though. You know, and, and uh, hey, just the last little fact that I, I come up with, and I found this quite interesting so I could relate to it. Um, you know, a gridiron field in America, you know, the US football? Yep. They, rec- they reckon that um, all of the nuclear energy used in the USA over the last 60 years could fit in a gridiron field. This is the waste, I mean, of oh, nuclear yeah. energy. Yep. Could fit in a gridiron field at a depth of nine metres. Wow, there you go. So for 60 years, powering all of the USA, I met all the people that are, I don't know, the population of the US, mm. for 60 years, that's the area that the waste takes up. I found that an interesting concept. Wow. Mm. All right, can we finish on that, mate? That's been a good chat. Mm. Good. Nice and, to uh, see you, boys. Um. I reckon uh, next week's episode, I might also be coming down here again because um, I'll be travelling back and forth for a, for a while with my, my dad. So um, next episode, I possibly will be on the phone again, if that's okay. Okay, mate. No dramas. Family first. Um, take it easy and look forward to the chat next week. Yeah, thanks, boys. Good on you. Appreciate the understanding. Good to chat with you. Um, and I guess it's uh, air guitar time. It is. Air guitar's ready. Good on you, mate. See you, boys. See ya. Wait. <laughs>